0: That this could be an education in youth culture tonight, possibly kind of not what you're expecting for Lent, but never mind. Um, I want to talk about awoke, or awake, awoke Lent, um, and I've been asking a lot of people if they know what woke means, uh, and so far, only one person has, has has eventually woken up to what I was talking about and got vaguely near it. So I'm going to have to explain myself. I'm a f- uh, who's heard the phrase woke in, in, in popular parlance? Who thinks they know what it means? <laughs> yeah, that, no, 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 that, that, that's exactly why I'm talking about this tonight. Um, Ash Wednesday traditionally marks the beginning of Lent. I will talk about Ash Wednesday. I will talk about Lent, I promise. Um, Lent's a season, of preparation of... A time when we try to have more space for personal reflection, to be able to focus not just on our relationship with God, but but actually how we live our lives, um, you know, in the deepest possible way. Um, and and it and, it, and it's a, in a way it's it's about preparing for the celebration of Easter. Um, and that's a strange word to use, isn't it? Because in Easter we celebrate the resurrection but we also enter into and we remember the pain and the suffering and the passion of Jesus too. It's that kind of mixture of suffering and triumph which, um, yeah, which is so significant. So um, the service tonight began with, you know, there's a lot of liturgy tonight, much more than we usually use at St. Matt's, and it began with the invitation. I invite you, therefore... In the name of the church, to the observance of a holy Lent, by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and self-denial, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. So tonight I'd like to offer you another invitation. Um, I'd like to invite you to a woke Lent. Go um, Next slide. Thanks. Um, and you are probably wondering what on earth woke is, never mind what on earth a woke Lent might be, um, or possibly whether or not the vicar has lost complete leave of his senses. Um, I came across this article in yesterday's times, and it kind of changed everything that I was going to say um, kind of today. Um, and the readings, too. Sorry, Jean. Um, and um, it was about kind of the BBC's mo- dr- current dramas at the moment. Um, and um, the correspondent was asking the question whether the BBC had become too woke. Um, and I found myself reading the article trying to make sense of what on earth they were going on about. Um, The article cited um, a number of different things. Um, Basically, the thrust was this. The head of BBC drama has responded to critics who say that the corporation's literary adaptions are too woke by saying that the great works must be made relevant to contemporary audiences. And as I kind of read this, I was thinking, well, I think I know what woke means. Um, And they cited, I didn't see it. Did anyone see Christmas Carol at Christmas? Um, the kind of the, the latest version of it. Um, uh, David did. Um, anything particularly different about it? Yeah, very different. But one of the key things was they had slipped in a black character into the book and the, uh, into the story. And the, and the question was, was there ever a black character in Dickens's, um, kind of Christmas carol? You know, and, or is it being politically correct to insert a black character into it? No offence, Dedo. I could be in trouble before at the end of the evening. Don't worry. Um, they also cited the recent adaptation of Dracula. Did anyone watch that? I didn't get past episode one. It was, uh, it was too much for me, I'm afraid. Um, and, um, and there, Dracula is bisexual. Um, again. Kind of another example of the BBC being woke, being um, kind of politically correct, they were saying. Now, the more I read the article, the more I realised I didn't have a clue what woke was and what they were talking about, Um, fairly obviously. I had kind of associated it with the whole Me Too thing, and I thought it was an anachronism. The W, I assume, was women, and I wasn't quite sure what the rest of it was. So I could kind of get how that might fit in vaguely. Um, we're being politically correct, and all the rest of it. I was completely wrong, never mind. Um, besides being the past tense of wake, you know, we woke up, the past tense of wake, something that we've already done. Um, woke is a slang term. Can we have the next slide, thanks? Um, and it comes from um, African-American vernacular. It's been around since the 1800s, apparently. Um, but it particularly kind of became into common parlance in America uh, about the time of the American Civil Rights Movement and Martin Luther King and things like that. Um, and um, so, it, so it, it's often rendered as woke, as in I was sleeping, but now I am woke, which is really bad English, obviously. But you kind of get the, the drift of how it's used. Um, and it's about waking up to injustice, not sleeping through injustice, but waking up to injustice. So when people use the word woke, it's, about being, it's because someone is highlighting, they're very woke, they're awoke because they're highlighting injustice. It's actually become quite contentious um, it, you know, it, 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 you know, it began with this kind of cry, which came out of the American civil rights movement, for uh, you know, against injustice and for and for freedom and for rights for everyone. And it's been a, and it's moved on from a, a black word into kind of common parlance that is used in terms of injustice in the wider sense. But it polarizes. Um, uh, you know, those who use it are wanting to raise the issue of injustice. I don't know whether anyone saw question time with James Fox, because he used it in a very different way. Uh, and, and, and people like him are, acu- are accusing its users of being overly politically correct. So what does woke have to do with Lent um, and what we're thinking about um, tonight? Is it trying to be trendy, or does it have something helpful to say, why awoke Lent? Well, actually, I think because Lent is, has always been about being awake. Um, uh, 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 of, kind of, of, be, of having our eyes open to what is going on around us, to what is going on in our lives. It's about a time to wake up um, and to look again with fresh eyes, and that 's what I want to invite you to do this Lent. So what we should we be awake to? Um, we'll co- thanks, Dom, we'll because the next slide. We should be awake to injustice. Um, Isaiah warns us um, of empty words and deeds um, it 's great that you 're here tonight, but he says god 's not impressed with rituals and fasts. Particularly when they don't make a difference in how people live their lives, we can have the best worship. There's a battle that goes on in my household. Um, we have kind of music pumped through the house via the Wi-Fi, and the control, um, the control of the Wi-Fi, and that is on your phone app. And the battle generally goes on between whoever is in the house, um, and particularly between Carol and I. Uh, if Carol has control of it there will always be worship music on it. She will almost never put anything else on it. If I have control on it, more often than not, it's jazz on it. Um, and Carol just loves that worship music. That, and, and you can stream it from almost anywhere around the world, so it's Bethel or wherever. Um, and, and we can have the best worship. We can have an incredible devotional life when we get, our, get all the apps from Nicky Gumbel and from the Church of England and we spend ages reading our Bibles. Um, But actually, what about our concern for the issues that we face in our world? Isaiah says, "Is not the fast I've chosen to loosen the chain of injustice uh, and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide shelter to the wanderer? Um, it's probably a good thing, isn't it, that the Church of England has chosen to focus on environmental issues during Lent this year? It's looking beyond, you know, that kind of, you know, our devotional, don't get me wrong, our devotional life and our relationship with God is really, really important. It's that that should fuel our activity in our lives. But if it gets kind of if it becomes a cul-de-sac, or if it kind of gets kind of short-circuited, then then actually it it, it becomes kind of an it becomes an indulgence um, rather than something that's transformational. Um, okay, what else should we be woke to, or awake to this Lent? Um, and this is uncomfortable. I think. Um, I think we need to be. Awake to the misuse of power. Um, And it just amazed me how our readings, I didn't choose them, they are the liturgical readings for today and the moment I looked at them, having dismissed them previously, I knew that I had to speak on them. And um, this story of this woman who's caught in adultery, being brought to Jesus, is a really familiar one. Um, uh, But... uh, they are trying to catch Jesus out. Um, they want to get him to pronounce his verdict um, on this woman because they know that whatever he says um, is going to work against him. Um, if he is true to the law of Moses, which says she should be stoned, you know, Jesus will cease to be this loving, caring leader. Um, that everyone has been drawn to. And the crowds will think, well, you're no different to anyone else. How can you be that cruel? They reject him. If he um, if he doesn't apply the law of Moses, they can turn around straight away and say, how can you call yourself a, a, a true teacher of the law if you don't obey the law? And so kind of they've got Jesus over a barrel in this story, haven't they? Um, it's a trick question, and they're wanting to catch him out. And what's going on here, I think, at the heart of this um, is all about the abuse of power. These leaders, um, it's the the Pharisees and it's the teachers of the law, the people that have a leadership position within Israel, Um, these leaders do not care about this woman at all. She is just a tool for them to use to manipulate jesus um they want to get at him and she's their weapon to do it and that's abuse of power isn't it um and she is the victim in this um and the trouble is that abuse of power still goes on um I I wish I could say that it is limited to the political arena or the business arena. Um, But but it's also far, far too frequently found in the church too. Um, Again, what's happened in the news shapes a lot of what I've been thinking about this week really. I, I was devastated to hear about the investigation into Jean Vanier. Does anyone know who Jean Vanier was? Um, Jean Vanier was a Canadian, French Canadian, who founded the L'Arche movement. Um, uh, is a, is, is a, a movement, and L'Arche is a movement which has kind of developed communities around the world. Um, and he did it as a response to going into a mental institution and finding disabled people there and seeing how they were treated, and really wanting to provide something better for them. And so he gave his whole life to creating communities, and the ethos of those communities was that disabled people and able-bodied people would live side by side in those communities as equals. Um, And it's been held up as the most incredible model of the gospel. You know, this is the difference that faith can make. Incredible model, beautiful model. My great hero, Omri Nguyen, um, gave his last years of his life to serving in one of those communities. Marvellous thing. Van Eyre has written loads of books in his lifetime, um, held up as virtually a living saint, really. And then a year after his death, um, an investigation within the Liage community has concluded that he abused women sexually throughout his life and his ministry. And here's this man, one hand that is held up as this great kind of pillar of, not just, I mean, he didn't he didn't do the stuff that we recall from, you know, living in what appears to be an outwardly powerful way or put, you know, putting himself on a pedestal. Others put him on a pedestal, and yet he was broken, badly broken, And not only damaged himself, but damaged so many others. And really has done done terrible damage to what was a God-given thing. And and it's horrific, isn't it, really? Um, And it it seems to me that this whole power thing, it, it needs to remind us that we shouldn't put people, men and women, on pedestals. You know the world does it, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, the next great pop star or the next great sportsman. Yeah, you know, one minute they're they're on the in, in the news because they're the greatest thing, and the next minute they're in the news because the media is delighting in tearing them down um, and, and selling copies of the press by doing it. Um, and yet we do it in the church. We kind of put leaders on pedestals, um, and it's a really dangerous thing to do. We need to be awake. We need to be woke to the misuse of power. And, and what follows out of that, I think really naturally, is we also, thanks Dawn, is we also need to be awake to the nature of the human heart. Um, you know, we are rightly shocked when leaders like Vienaer fall. Um, there's something almost... I, I, yeah, I really hope I'm the only one that does this. There is something almost quite self-satisfying when others fall. You know, kind of, it can make us feel better. I think that's one of the reasons why people love reading the muck in the tabloid press, um, because actually it gives people the chance to feel so much more virtuous themselves. Does, does that make sense, or, or am I the only person that has that sort of peculiar bent? You know, um, it's easy to point the finger at others. Um, but Jesus doesn't permit us to do this. And again, this is a frighteningly modern story. Um, and I don't just mean that it's still, that, that people are treated in, in some religious cultures in this way. Uh, women are still stoned in some African and Arabic cultures. I don't mean that. I mean the way it is that it it is so frequently the vulnerable that end up being victimized. You know, whenever people preach on this, you know, I'm not telling you anything new, it is pointed out, where was the man? It's the woman they brought to Jesus. Um... It's why it's dangerous, I think, to ridicule. Yeah, it's dangerous when woke becomes something that is politically correct because it loses its power, because actually there is a need to be awake um, to the way the vulnerable are treated, but also awake to the nature of our own hearts, ourselves. Um, It's so often the vulnerable who are at risk, whether it's based on colour, sexuality, gender. um, And here it's the woman that's picked on. Sadly, isn't it, that men seldom come out of this well. And I just found myself asking the question with the Weinberg trial this week. Um, Who was on trial? Was he on trial? Or was it the women that brought evidence against him that were on trial? It's the same thing that we see in this reading, isn't it? Um, what we can't do is make this somebody else's problem. Jean Van Eyre's problem or, you know, or, or media moguls' problems or politicians' problems. Leaders can be bullies. It's a warning to all of us. But actually, Jesus applies this to everyone in the room. Um, Jeremiah, I think it was said, um, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Yeah, you know, the propensity of the human heart to to be selfish and to protect ourselves and to uh, 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 and to be warped is huge. And so Jesus doesn't get sucked into the power games of the leaders he asked this really simple question. Whoever is without sin, you cast the first stone. And so the thing we most need to be woke to or awake to this Lent um, is the nature of our own hearts. To not be afraid to look within and to ask the uncomfortable questions about our own motives and our own actions. And I guess the things most to be suspicious of are the things that we want to kept, keep hidden away that we wouldn't want anyone else to know about. Um, woke reminds us that we can't be complacent um, that human nature doesn't change um and that in the midst of all of this we still need easter and we still need jesus and we still need the cross and that the ground at the foot of the cross is level there's no room for any one of us to look down on another um and what I'd like us to do, there's lot, there's, in a way, this service is all reflective. There's a lot of liturgy that's going to come that's reflective about human brokenness in a moment. But I'd just like to give us some room now to stop and reflect, to be woke, to be awake, particularly to what's inside us. To ref- you know, we're going to confess our sins in a minute let's allow the Holy Spirit to bring to mind our brokenness because we can bring it to Jesus. We can find forgiveness for it there and the power to change. Um, and so Susie's going to play. Um, and um, kind of in more recent years, um, we've, ha- we, we've had um, ash available for those that would like to have the sign of the cross marked on them at this service. Um, And so I would suggest we take some time, two or three minutes, with Susie playing, if that's okay. Um, And if during that time, as an act of repentance and of 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 openness, you would like to come forward and receive the sign of the cross, I will be at the front with ashes.